hide behind it and shake anymore. So, anyway. Okay, a couple of commercials first. Number one, you know why I'm here. Most of you do. Because you saw Joe Ellis and a couple other men on their knees in the back door. Um, filling boxes of coin banks. And as we always do here at Summers Avenue, come the first Sunday in May uh, to distribute all of our coin banks for our annual Change for Children campaign at Children's Homes. This congregation, hands down, has grown more in Change for Children than any other congregation we have doing this campaign every year. Um, and I think y'all are in our top five churches now uh, of congregations that give in that campaign. And so those coin banks are there. And so you will probably be accosted when you leave this morning of people trying to give you a coin bank. Uh, so just take it and go on, and that'll be good. And we appreciate you so much uh, filling those things up for us, and I figure I'll be back sometime in September to collect them from you. Also in the foyer, on the table in the foyer, and there's some here on the front pew, um, we have neat little ink pens, got the stylus on them and all that kind of stuff to use for your smartphones and all. So those are back there if you want to grab some of those. And the thing that we have now that... I decided funeral homes are getting all the business, so why not we get into it too? So now then we have fans. Because I see a lot of this in churches. And I thought, I'd like to see children's homes on those fans when they're doing like this. So those are, there's some here in the pew, there's some back there, and you're more than welcome to get those and stick them in the pews here, take them home with you or whatever. So a lot of you know, y'all have moved, y'all normally sit over here. You change the podium, the preacher moves to a different pew. So a lot of y'all know that Tressa and I are cousins. Or you may not know that. But Tressa and I are cousins on my, my dad's side of the family. Tressa's grandmother and my grandmother were sisters. So, but a lot of you may not know that Claudia sitting down here is also my cousin. On my mom's side of the family. And the distinction that we have is that if you remember that um, Marion Futrell, who was governor of the state of Arkansas, that is our relative. So you should treat us like we are royalty. <laughs> is that what you told me to say? Okay, good. Good, good. So it is always good to be with you. And this morning I just want to take a few moments and tell you a little bit about things that are going on at children's homes and what we're doing. A lot of you may be wondering what the blue ribbon is on my coat this morning. And uh, that is to signify the fact that May is National Foster Care Awareness Month. And uh, you as a congregation know all too well about foster care at children's homes, having families who are foster parents through children's homes here and the little ones that run around that are part of those families. And we are so grateful to all of them. And during the month of May, that's just a time for all of us across this country to be aware that there are so many children who need a home. In our state alone, hundreds and thousands of children who just need a home. We believe they need more than just a home. They need a Christian home. They need a home in which they will be taught about God every day and understand the greatness of God. And so we're very thankful to the families you have here and the other families we have all across the state of Arkansas who are doing foster care for us. You get to live and see the stories of these families as they deal with these kids. And you get to hear the little things they say and see the little things that they do. And it's kind of neat that you have the opportunity to do that. We have a lot of other foster families around the state of Arkansas that are doing the same thing. 
and they are involved with children and they're seeing the neat things and hearing the special things that they say. And this morning I wanted to read you a couple of things this morning that came from a couple of our, one, one family we have that lives over in, in the Fort Smith area. Just to give you an idea of how these foster families are so all in. I tell people all the time, especially in the state of Arkansas, when we deal with licensing and, and, and human services people and all that kind of stuff, that one of the things that makes our foster parents so different is they come to it for a different purpose. There are a lot of families out there that bring kids into their home because of the money. Let's just be honest about it. They see an extra paycheck that they may get from the government. And the sad thing is, and in a lot of those cases, those kids that come into the home, that money is never spent on them. It's spent on the lifestyle of the family. And those kids don't have any more than what they did when they, where they came from because of that. And I'm fully, I fully believe that our foster families at children's homes do this because of the ministry. Because they feel called to do what they do. To bring these kids into their homes. Every day is not roses. There are challenges involved in bringing these kids into their homes. And blending them into their families. And loving them and providing for them. But also dealing with all the things that they bring with them into this relationship. They bring anger and they bring fear and they bring sadness and they bring all kinds of things that these families have to figure out how do we work through all of these things so this child loves being part of our family. And sometimes they're challenging. David and Sharon Barker, who live over in the Fort Smith area, are not unlike your families you have here of caring for kids in their homes. They've had some pretty horrific situations they've dealt with. One recently of a child that came into their home who had been burned very, very badly. We think we know. We're pretty confident we know how the child was burned. And I have to stand before you with a lot of anger at a doctor who knows why this child was burned. But the doctor won't testify. And so we're doing everything that we can to never allow this child to go back to its biological family. Because of the pain that was inflicted upon this child. And the constant getting up at night and dealing with the pain and the scraping of skin and the ointment and the trips to children's and all kinds of things that they chose to do because that child needed them. They've had other children in their home. Some have been foster children. Some have gone on to be children who they have adopted. And your families here that do foster care through us know we have a closed group on Facebook where our foster families are able to share things, to share stories about the kids, of needs they have, of just when they're tired, of when exciting things happen, because we can't just go out there and put it out there for the general public consumption because you can't do that with foster kids, but we can privately with each other. And one day I was in the group looking at different things, and Sharon posted this about one of their sweet foster children. She says, tonight, after several weeks of showing him over and over and over, 
my sweet foster cub, I love what she calls him, who is almost totally nonverbal, looked at me and said, I, while pointing to his eye, love, while taking his hand and rubbing his heart, you, and pointed at me. The tears streaming down my face, the excited look of accomplishment on his face, this is why we foster. Not too long after that, they went through the process to adopt one of the children. And David, her husband, wrote this. I'm up late tonight still processing the reality and finalization of what happened yesterday and sitting here thinking about how every time I talk to Matthew today, either in person or on the phone, he asks me if he was my real boy and if I was his real daddy. It was as if he could not believe that this was true and just needed the reassurance that it was for real. Tonight as I held him on my lap, Rocking him before bedtime, he looked up at me one more time and said, Daddy, am I your real boy? I said, yes, Matthew, forever and ever and ever. He looked at me with a smile from ear to ear and said, I'm so happy, Daddy. I love you. I'm a puddle of mush in the floor. Hashtag, it's real and it's forever. These foster families are special people. And I hope you know that. And I hope for them that this congregation finds your ways to rally around them and support them. There's going to be times when they come to church and they're just all over the place, just trying to get them all together and ready to go to be here. And sometimes all they need is just somebody to walk up to them and just take a child and say, you know what, we got, we're here with you, we got this. Or to figure out what their needs are. Or how it's important in their lives to help them. I hope you will do that. Not just during the month of May when we are focused on this, but all year long. Kids are going to come and go from their families. We have a short period of time to show them what a godly family looks like. Not just in that home but all of us together in this place being part of God's family to show that to these kids. We're excited to continue growing foster care. This past, I guess it was a Saturday ago yesterday, a week ago yesterday, we did a fish fry in Searcy for several of our foster families who could be there. And it was kind of neat because now we got multi-generations of families that are doing foster care. Of a son of a daughter and her husband doing foster care and she grew up having foster kids in her home and now her parents have gone back into foster care and so now then we've got two generations in the same family doing foster care and it's exciting to see that continue to grow. And so I hope you will continue to pray for us, pray for these families as we continue to rally around them. This is also a big time. How many people we got graduating in here? we got some graduates. They're raising their hand. Okay, where are their parents? Are y'all as exhausted as we are? I have a son graduating a week from today, and we are just literally worn out from all the graduation stuff that's been going on. 
We also have two kids at children's homes who are graduating this year. Stormily and Hannah have been with us for a number of years, and they're going to be leaving us uh, here in just two or three days to be able to go on where they're going to go from this point forward. Stormily plans to go into nursing. Hannah plans to attend Hardeman University and still working on what her degree is going to be in. But we're excited about that. We have kids who are in college right now. And one of the things that we are really excited about doing, I can't remember, I don't know if I've told you all about this, we've actually started a scholarship program at Children's Homes. One of the biggest questions that we get is, what happens when they leave? If they're with you until they're 18 and they leave your care, what happens to them after that? Well, I can tell you that in some cases it's not up to us. Because when they turn 18 and the state recognizes them as being legal adults, they can make their own choices. And some just leave. That period of their life and being at children's homes and just the family problems and the abuse and the neglect and the abandonment and all those kinds of things, they want to run as far away from it as they can get. Do they eventually come back around to us? Yes. But sometimes they just want to leave and go somewhere they don't have to think about it. Some kids want to go to college. Some kids want to go into a vocation. Some kids want to go into some type of training. And I will tell you, I will stand before you and confess, I've had it wrong for so many years. Because I've been an advocate all my life of go to college, get a degree, go to college, get a degree. That's not for everyone. And that's okay. We see it every day at children's homes. We have kids who are capable of going to college and getting a degree and doing that path. But some of them just aren't. They just aren't. But that doesn't make them any less valuable. Some of them are capable of going into a trade school or going into a technical college or something like that to learn a skill because you know what? We need those valuable people in our society. And so with this scholarship program that we have started, we're helping kids find their path and helping them fund that path to achieve that goal. This year we're giving out $6,000 in scholarships to kids. One who's going to be a senior at Harding. We gave him scholarship money to finish out his junior year. He's now going to start his senior year at Harding. He will literally go through Harding with what he was eligible for through financial aid and things like that. But what we've been able to come along through our scholarship program and do for him, he will actually graduate from Harding with no debt. That's pretty big. We've got Hannah that's going to Freed Hardeman and we're going to be giving her scholarship money to help with her expenses to be able to do that. It's just what we're trying to do to help encourage them to continue whatever their goal is, whatever their path is, whatever their dream is for themselves, to continue to do that and for us to help them do it. Because all these kids, they don't have family to go back to to get that help. And so for so many of them, they feel like their choices are so limited as to what they can do and what they want to do and what they're really able to do. 
And so this scholarship program, we're excited about it and we're continuing to grow it. We hope to get it to a point somewhere down the road that it is an endowed scholarship fund. That it's just always there. And we can give more and more to these kids to help them go and do these things to achieve what they really, really want to do and what they're capable of doing in their lives. And so we're excited about that. We've got a trip coming up at Children's Home. Y'all have helped us with this trip before. June the 21st, on Wednesday, June 21st, we're taking all of our kids in care to the Discovery Park of America in Union City, Tennessee. It's a great educational trip for them. It's a fun trip, too. But we've got a family that has offered, again, the same family to pay for all their admission to get there and go and do that. And so we're looking forward to doing that in a few weeks. We probably aren't going to charter the big buses this time, uh, but we are going to have to raise some money to give them spending money that day because we'd like to be able to do that for them. If that's something you want to help with again, hey, listen, we will take it. And it'll all go into to an account, and then on that day, we'll just hand them all cash, and they'll be able to go to the gift shop and, and buy some things that they would like to have that day. They don't get to do that a lot. And so we're excited about being able to do that with them as well. The other big thing we got coming up is homecoming. Homecoming September the 30th, the very last day of September. And uh, I hope you will be able to come up this year uh, and, and to join us for that fun day. It's going to be an exciting day for us. Uh, some of our kids in care are going to be speaking like they always do. Uh, hopefully we will not have any more flooding between now and then. Uh, we've been kind of underwater, up for, not where we are in Perigal, but all the places around us have been kind of underwater for the last few days. So... Um, I do want to tell you about one other thing this morning before I kind of close out our lesson this morning. Um, a lot of you may or may not know, there's a youth camp up in Paragould called Crowley's Ridge Youth Camp. We own that. We've had that for a number of years. It was mostly summer church camp uh, like Dakota, like Wildwood, uh, Mid-South Youth Camp in Tennessee, a lot of other places. We are changing the focus of that. Now, we're still going to have our summer camp sessions in the summer that will still be called Crowley's Youth Camp. But the entire facility is now called the Ridge Retreat and Adventure Center. Because one of the things that we're trying to start doing with this program is reaching out to having a year-round retreat center for our churches and for groups from colleges and community leaders and corporations and all kind of stuff to be able to tap into some of our knowledge at children's homes of how to build leadership skills and how to build stronger families and, and how to have good relationships between moms and daughters and fathers and sons and all these kinds of things, of how to help church leaders begin to understand what goes on in families and how to start to see those signs in a family where they may be in crisis and trying to catch it before it gets too bad. This facility has been there for a number of years and one of the things that we've not really had out there is a big, nice main building. Uh, the building was built, I forget how many years, it's just a block building, um, and, you know, it's in very, very bad shape and needs to be replaced. So some work that we've been doing and some, uh, some estate gifts that we've gotten, in August of this year, we're going to be breaking ground, we hope, on a new main building at the Ridge Retreat and Adventure Center. Uh, I can show you a picture of it. This is kind of what it looks like if you can see it. Um, it's going to be kind of a rustic-looking building. It's going to seat about 250 people in a large dining area at tables, conference rooms, a large commercial kitchen, just all kinds of stuff. It's going to be built in the main dining area to where we can actually uh, hang ropes, 
from the, the, the peak of the building and do our indoor ropes courses in case it is raining outside. This facility has all of that, the indoor ropes courses, the outdoor high and roll up, uh, low ropes, the zip lines, all that kind of stuff. We have all up there. We use all of this with our kids in care. And we see how it affects them and how it changes them. It helps teach them about teamwork and trust building and all those kinds of things. And so now then our goal this year is to reach out from inside ourselves to start helping some other people get involved with this. And so hopefully in August of this year you'll see some announcements coming out about us breaking ground on this building. We're excited about this because this is a service that we want to provide, an opportunity to provide to our churches who support us. If they can bring people in and we can have people come in and speak to them about maybe topics that will be important in their churches and church growth, of helping heal their families when there's brokenness in their families and things like that. So watch about that coming up. I tell you all the time how much we appreciate you, and we do. We thank you so much for what you do for us. I've told you multiple times that we're not going to take the government's money to do what we do because we are not going to compromise God. The worst thing we can do for our children is to compromise God. And we're just not going to do it. So when we say thank you, and it's only, it's only possible because of you, that's just 100% true. It can't be done without you. We hope you will continue to see the value in who we are and what we do at Children's Homes. And will continue to support us and march with us toward a time we don't have broken families in our country where kids don't have to leave mama and daddy and go live with someone else to be loved. That they get to stay where they are. And families can be the kind of families God wants them to be. I use the term march right there. I'm going off in a totally different direction than what I had even planned this morning. I have a lesson here. I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to use it. This past Friday, I told you I have a son who's graduating from high school. I have a son who's in sixth grade. And one of the things that I'm allowed to do because of my work at children's homes, and I'm thankful for this, is that when he has field trips at school and things like that, I get to go with him. This past Friday, we took a trip to Memphis. And we spent the better part of the morning at the National Civil Rights Museum. It was a very humbling experience for me to see the struggles of people and the people who tried to change that. And as I walked through this Civil Rights Museum, one of the things that kept coming into my head was how did it get from what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. saw in a vision for of equality of people to where we are today. You see, Dr. King, even in his I Have a Dream speech that was so famous, he referenced the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3 that talks about we're neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. We are all one in Jesus Christ. 
How did we get from that to where we are today? Because as I walked through that Civil Rights Museum, what I saw was a movement of people that wasn't a movement of anger, it wasn't a movement of divisiveness, it was a movement of people trying to bring people together to see our value and how we are all created equal in the sight of God. So what changed it? I think we all know the answer to that question. What changed it was sin. It was just sin. Because you see, when we don't see the value in our fellow man, that is sin. When we are angry and violent towards someone else of a different color or a different nationality or a different economic status, that is sin. Because God created all of us equal. God created all of us to be eternal. And if we just follow God's plan, we wouldn't have any problems, would we? But our problem is, so many times we want to follow our own plans. And we want to have the world step in and direct us different paths and different ways. And we get on our soapboxes and we choose sides and we divide up and all these kinds of things. And every time we do that, someone's going to get hurt. And someone's going to be devalued in this life. All because of sin. God created us to be eternal. We chose a different plan. And because of us choosing a different plan, there will be people who will be lost. For eternity. It was a neat moment for me being able to walk around this museum with my 11 year old son. And to say to him, here's what you can do when you grow up. You're young right now. And all of your friends you have in school and your class, they're just your friends. And you don't see differences and you don't see things that are right. Or you just see your friends. When you grow up, still just see that. Don't allow... Satan and the world to make you see something different. See people as God sees people. As people who are eternal. 
People who were all created by God. And don't get caught up in the sin that changes all that. You see, I think that's how we reach our neighborhoods. That's how we reach the communities around us. Is by not seeing the differences, but seeing the things that we have in common. And working toward those things with God always in our vision, always in our hearts, always in our souls, always in our minds. Then we will come together. And we will be a nation of people who God called us to be. We say our national anthem, don't we? And what's the one phrase in there? One nation under God. One nation under God. I'm just tired. I'm tired of watching the news. I told somebody earlier this morning, I just don't watch the news anymore. Because I'm just tired of seeing the anger. I'm tired of people being angry about everything. I just long for a time where we can find what is good and that becomes our focus. And we build on what is good in this life. We will never reach anyone through hatred. We will only reach people through good. And that's what God allows us to do. God enables us to do in this life. So this morning, because of my trip on Friday... I'm asking you this. Are you angry? Do you, are you holding grudges against your brothers and sisters? Are you divided because of things that may have happened in the past that has broken relationships? Don't be lost over those things. Because the more you hold on to them, the more you keep them inside of you, the more that it keeps you separated from those people, you are pulling yourselves farther and farther and farther away from God. Don't do it. Two of the hardest words to say in this life are, I'm sorry. But they are the two most healing words you will ever utter out of your mouth. Because they have the ability to heal brokenness. To heal relationships. And to bring us all back in love for each other. This morning, if you've got things going on in your life that just are weighing you down and keeping you angry and separated from God, I'm asking you this morning, let it go.
let it go and march. And march with God toward eternity. If we can help you this morning, would you come as we stand together and sing?